And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am not joined by Missy this week. I I thought I might be able to get her in front of the microphone, but um, I don't think she's quite ready for that. So if you follow us on social media at all, either uh, Missy on Corny Goat Farm at Instagram, uh, me uh, at Cam Edwards on Twitter, you probably know what happened last Friday. Uh, last Thursday, Missy went in for a CT scan to check and see if the chemotherapy that she was on was continuing to work. Thursday night, we had a conversation and she said, you know, I just don't have a good feeling about it. And she was right. Friday, we got the news that the chemotherapy that she was on is uh, no longer effective. Um, She has 10 pretty small tumors in both lungs. Eight of the 10 grew a little bit, not a lot. They're still really small, but they didn't get smaller. Two of them actually did get smaller, uh, but that's not enough, unfortunately, to continue on with the chemotherapy. So we are now uh, in the process of trying to figure out what we do next. And what we do next, it looks like, is a clinical trial of some sort. Uh, It's been a very confusing and somewhat overwhelming process. Uh, But the good news is over the past week or so, we have had so many friends reach out to us. And and, and some folks that I truly didn't even, I I, I had no idea that I would hear from these folks. Um, But they felt like they had information that could help. And they contacted us. And uh, in many cases, that information, in fact, was extraordinarily helpful. So I can tell you that we have already been hard at work contacting um, other hospitals and uh, academic settings where Missy might be able to find a, a, um, some sort of a trial. And, uh, and we've already got a couple of visits scheduled with a couple of these places Uh, to talk about next steps. So we are being very proactive. At the same time, it's really scary. Um, Missy has not wanted to know a whole lot about specifically her disease and the cancer that that she's fighting. And and I've been okay with that Um, because the less stressed that she is, I think the better off uh, she will be. But uh, today, a few hours ago, in in talking with her uh, oncologist, she realized that she's considered stage four cancer, or her cancer is considered stage four. And I think that that was a mental and emotional hurdle for her. Uh, As I tried to tell her earlier today, look, you are no different than you were yesterday when you didn't know what stage your cancer was at. 
Nothing has changed in terms of what's going on with your body. The only thing that's changed is that now you know a label that they've put on where your cancer is. But that doesn't mean that this is a finality. It doesn't mean that, uh, well, there's, there's, you know, no more hope. Um, and I hope and I pray that she understands that. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think she's kind of struggling with that right now. And I think the prospect of sitting in front of a microphone um, tonight was just a little too, um, a little too raw for Missy. So I hope that she will be back next week because we actually have a lot of stuff to talk about beyond the, um, you know, <laughs> the the 800-pound elephant. Uh, in the room, there there is actually other stuff going on. In fact, it's been it's a really weird experience to to sit there in the hospital at you know eight forty five in the morning, and you hear the doctor say, "Okay, well, you know, here's the bad news, and I, I really think it's time that we start looking at clinical trials." And then you leave the hospital, and then you go and you start your work day <laughs> having received that information. You know, you start to put a, a show together for Cam and Company or, or Miss E had to go uh, and do a couple of meetings for her job. And, you know, in the meantime, you're, you're still sort of trying to process uh, this information. And it's, that, that, that's, that's a weird thing. There are lots of, lots of these really oddly uncomfortable moments that we have experienced over the past week. But, and it'd be really easy again to get caught up in those, but I, I choose instead to get caught up and to recognize and to wrap myself in that knowledge that we've got so many people all around the country who have never even met Missy uh, who are praying for her who are concerned about her, who are thinking about her. And I won't say it makes everything all better, but it does make a difference. It really does. And it really does help. So to everybody who reached out over the past week or so to her or to me or to both of us, thank you. Please know that it has been greatly appreciated. And I know that in the coming weeks and months and years, uh, as Missy continues this fight, we are going to continue to uh, lean on you and to depend on you and to ask you to pick us up when, uh, when we need that pick me up and to, uh, to help carry us when we are weary and when we are concerned and when we are feeling a little weak in the knees. Um, however, I don't plan on feeling that way a lot. I am I am naturally optimistic. Missy is not. Missy is sort of naturally pessimistic, which, you know, works well for us uh, as a married couple. But uh, right now, I really need uh, her to channel some of that optimism as well. And I would ask a favor of you, if you have been listening to us for a while and you, you haven't reached out, you've never uh, sent us an email or commented on an Instagram post of Miss E's, please consider doing so this week. Uh, you can drop her a line. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. 
Uh, she's at Corny Goat Farm on Instagram. And again, it makes a difference. It, it, it really does help brighten her day. And it makes her feel good to know that you are out there thinking about her and cheering her on. And, uh, and I know that she would really enjoy hearing from you if you have not reached out uh, before now. So, all right, I'm going to leave the rest of that conversation to the next time we talk with Missy uh, and, and we'll get her side of, of things. Um, it has been a very busy and mostly productive week here uh, on the farm. You know, when springtime comes, it really uh, comes on like gangbusters. I mean, it's, it's, it's winter one week and then the next, all of a sudden, you start to see those shoots of green, and then the week after that, it's it's just this explosion of pollen and flowers, and the grass starts growing, and it's it's crazy, uh, and it's all of a sudden, you know, you go from zero to a hundred. Uh, it feels like in terms of stuff to be done uh, around the farm. So uh, I did have to break out the lawnmower for the first time this year, and and we mowed. Uh, but we mowed high enough that we left all of the wildflowers. We have this, you know, field of violets uh, that's over by the greenhouse. That's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, Missy said, "Leave, you know, mow as high as you can. Leave all of the the little flowers for the pollinators." I said, "Okay." So we did that. So I have to mow like every four days uh, if I want to keep up with things, and and that's not happening. So the uh, the grass is a little overgrown right now. We're not going to win any uh, medals from you know better homes and gardens, but. But that's okay. Uh, speaking of gardens, I am happy because we have something of everything that we've planted now. Uh, all of the various types of tomatoes that we planted, which I think I think we did fifteen types of tomatoes, all fifteen varieties. Um, we now have sprouts. We now have you know the the the. Uh, the first little shoots growing uh, of our peppers. Hmm, not so good. Uh, I think we have five of the 17 varieties of peppers that we planted. Five of them have poked their uh, heads above the soil. And I'm really hoping that we start to see more this week. They, they do take a little bit longer to germinate than the tomato seeds. So I haven't lost hope yet but I really would like to see some more growth in more of the, uh, the little peat pots that we have going. Uh, already planted, we have beets that are looking great. The carrots that I've planted, meh. one bed is, is looking all right. One bed is not looking very good at all. Uh, I think I've only seen maybe six or seven uh, carrots in that third bed, the, uh, the, the the middle raised bed that we've been using. Though, that's actually pretty full of uh, carrots, so that's good. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about everything that's going on in terms of the garden and how things are growing. I, I feel like we're doing pretty good. We want to get some lettuces down. Uh, we want to go ahead and get our cucumbers planted, which means that we're going to put those in our front raised garden bed. So we've got to do a little bit of work in terms of building some fencing so that the chickens and the cats don't get in those garden beds. Uh, right now with the raised beds that have the carrots and the beets in them, we just did this quick little job of putting a poultry net. It's not even connected to a battery, uh, but it is a temporary 
I was going to say, well, yeah, it's a temporary fence basically around the uh, the three beds where the beets and the carrots are. And so far, uh, the chickens have not expressed any more interest in those garden beds. They had uh, before previously, and I haven't seen them try to get in since. Uh, the goats have been sort of a mixed bag this week. I, I think the last time we had a podcast, we had just had goat babies born. Uh, we've had one more mama give birth. Uh, so we we had five baby goats, all girls, by the way. So far, every baby that has been born this year has been a female, uh, which is great because we can sell them for more than we can sell the males because they're dairy goats. Uh, unfortunately, we now only have four uh, little girls because one of them... So one of them, um, we, had, we had we had three from uh, Ms. Freckles, the first goat to give birth. And then Toffee uh, gave birth to two. And at first, everything was okay. But then the next morning, I came out to let out the chickens and walk the dogs. And I noticed that one of the goats was laying in the grass. And it had been kind of chilly. It didn't get below freezing, but it had been kind of chilly the night before. So I, I went over and I scooped her up and she was just so limp. Uh, she couldn't even lift her head up. So brought her inside, dried her off with a towel, set her in a laundry basket that had a towel at the bottom. And, and we kind of warmed her up. Missy got mama on the milking stand and was able to get about uh, about five ounces from her. But notice that uh, Mama's udder was was really messed up uh, with mastitis. We thought and, and and thought correctly, so we had to call the vet uh, to have uh, them come out and take a look at Mom and, and baby. Uh, Missy was not able to get the baby to suck on a bottle. There was just like no suck reflex whatsoever. So she basically intubated the. Uh, the little baby goat gave her about three ounces of milk, and then that afternoon gave her a couple more ounces, and she had perked up. She was making noise. She was lifting her head up at that point, but she still could not stand, and um, and she didn't make it, unfortunately, uh, which is, you know, it, it, it happens, but it is still always really, really difficult when you lose an animal um i mean it's hard when we you know take the animals that we raise for food and we kill them and we process them that's 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 not the easiest thing in the world to do but um to see a baby you know just a, a few hours old um pass away uh, that 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 sucks and uh I don't know. It may have hit us a little bit harder just because of all of the other uh, emotional roller coaster rides that we've been on this week. But um, we have three more girls that uh, have yet to give birth. I believe that probably by the time you listen to this, at least one of those girls will have given birth. I, I, and we'll, we'll give you an update on the next 40 Acres and a Fool. Um, but so far, besides the, the one little girl who I think was born with some defects, um, everybody else has been really healthy, really happy. And, uh, everybody, again, just so many girls right now. It's, it's crazy. I think that gets you pretty caught up. Chickens are okay. I remember we had about eight eggs a day, uh, which is by the way, more eggs than we eat. So, 
what, what, what's been happening generally is that um, Missy usually makes herself uh, two or three eggs for breakfast uh, probably three or four times a week. I'll get, uh, you know, two or three eggs for breakfast. And then once or twice a week, we're doing breakfast for dinner where everybody gets an omelet or Missy has made French toast so we can use up a bunch of eggs. Uh, there's a lot of quiches being made and we're getting it done. Uh, you know, but uh, and, uh, listen, I'm not complaining. I mean, we went months without a single egg. So for, for us to have too many eggs, that's okay. We're giving them away to friends, which is nice to be able to do. We, we love to be able to do that. So it's nice to, to be able to do that again. Uh, and again, it's, it's so much better to, uh, to have the problem of abundance than the problem of scarcity, right, when it comes to food. Speaking of food, by the way, I, I keep seeing these stories about fake meat. And it's, it's, it's starting to bug me a little bit here. The last one that I saw was in the Atlantic. And the author is really making the case that, you know, we're just not going to be eating real meat here before long because all of these other alternatives are going to be out there. And why would you eat meat that was actually an animal when you could eat, quote unquote, clean meat, Um, meat grown in a lab, right? Meat that started out in a vat uh, somewhere and, and then... Uh, got turned into something that you shoved down your gullet. I don't want that. I, I And if, if you do, okay, I guess. But I don't want that. And, you know, they've made some pretty big strides, it sounds like. A couple of years ago, um, a, a fake chicken nugget, a lab-grown chicken nugget, would have cost you about $1,000. Now they've got it down to about $100.00. Per nugget, by the way, uh, but again, that 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 they they've, they've you know been able to reduce that by ninety percent over the last couple of years. So at some point, they're going to get to some price point, and it's going to be well, it's not going to be as cheap as real chicken nuggets, but but it'll be it'll be close, right? And I I don't know what happens then. Uh, this article in the Atlantic talked to uh, one of the the, the fake meat people, uh, and and they acknowledged. They said, "Listen, it's not going to be virtue that drives a, a switch to fake meat. It's not going to be because people want to save the planet. It's not going to be because people don't want to be cruel to animals. It's not going to be because of any of those types of reasons. It's going to be because it's affordable and it doesn't taste bad." That's what's going to drive the switch if a switch occurs. And I, and I think that that's largely right. Um, although I, I have to say, I, I really think that if it ever gets to the point, first of all, we are a long way away from uh, real fake, <laughs> real fake meat, from, from this fake meat um, even coming close to being the real deal in a lot of various cuts. I mean, it, look, it's easier, it's easier to make a fake chicken nugget because that's basically chicken scraps that are you know pressed together. A real nugget is not a, a lump of chicken breast that's been cut out and then breaded and, and fried. That's not how they make nuggets. So it's easier to make that sort of chicken paste right uh, from lab-grown cells. 
even with a burger, you know, they've got the quote unquote impossible burgers that use the, uh, the what is it, the heme from the uh, plants and it, like, supposedly it bleeds even though it's not real meat. That's ground or a facsimile of, of ground beef, which is, again, easier to produce. Um, fake steak, for example, let's say you want a T-bone grown in a lab. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not close to a, a lab-grown T-bone. This Atlantic article talks about uh, they're trying to grow fish, fake fish, in a vat, lab-grown fish meat. And the author got a chance to try some, and it did not. It tasted vaguely fishy. It tasted vaguely of the sea, uh, but it did not taste like fish. If you've ever had, um, what's that, that fake crab meat? Not sashimi, because that's sushi. But uh, uh, if you've ever had the fake crab meat that is fish, and, you know, it it, it vaguely kind of looks like crab, and it vaguely tastes like crab, but not really. Apparently, imagine that for fish, but worse. And that apparently is where the fake fish technology is at the moment. So again, we're a ways away. And I, I have to say, I, I really think that this is, I don't know. To, to me, this seems like the culinary equivalent of the 3D TV. Something that is going to be jammed down our throats, whether we like it or not. We're going to be told we need it. We absolutely have to have it. Uh, this is changing everything. And most of us don't really want it, right? And, and so I, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of these companies right now that are, they've got, you know, some big investors. I think Impossible Burger has, you know, uh, uh, Bill Gates is a, 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 an investor and several other celebrities. I would not be surprised if a few years from now, a lot of these businesses have gone bust. Just like, you don't really see 3D TVs for sale anymore, right? You used to. A few years ago, that was pretty much every TV on the market was a 3D equipped TV. And now they're not there. Why? Because <laughs> as it turns out, we didn't really want 3D TVs. Nobody was clamoring for 3D TVs. Nobody really wanted the 3D technology. Nobody really used them. And a uh, few people, I should say. Not enough to make it a success, and it just quietly sort of disappeared. I I would not be shocked if a few years from now you ask somebody, "Hey, do you know where I can get an Impossible Burger?" and they say, "What? what? I, I don't know what that is." Hey, can I get some uh, you know lab-grown fish meat? And uh, people kind of look at you like you're a little crazy. Again, if they can get to the point where it's cheaper than, you know, regular food or, and I think it's going to have to be cheaper than real meat. If they can never get there. Uh, we'll, we'll have another conversation about this, but I just don't think that there's a huge demand. Um, obviously the supply is rather limited and, and again, the big selling point is non-existent for most people, because not only is it not cheaper than your regular meat, but it's actually way more expensive. For me, there's something else though. There's something intangible. And I, I will admit, 
you know, having lived on a small farm for the past six years and having, you know, grown our bacon seeds and they were pasture raised and we've got our chickens that are free range and we've got our goats that we move from pasture to pasture. I mean, this is not a large scale agricultural operation. Uh, It is not. And there is a part of me that really does truly believe that happy hogs make tastier bacon and that a hog that gets to eat fresh grass and gets to lay out under blue skies that that that, that's the type of life that a hog should live i don't mind eating that hog i don't mind uh, taking that hog and making bacon out of that hog and ham and sausage I'm, i'm okay with all of that but i'm better with it if that pig has had a good life. I'm better with it if that chicken has not been confined uh, to a cage or to a uh, really small space for the entirety of its time on earth. I'm okay with agriculture. I am okay with large scale agriculture, but I, I think it's only okay. And I would love to see the agricultural industry move towards a place where, again, more pigs get to feel the warmth of the sun and more chickens get to peck at fresh grass. And and I think that slowly we're moving towards that direction. I, I'm not moving towards that direction so that one day we can eradicate farming and one day we can eradicate meat eating. I have no interest, no desire for that. And I, I, I do know that a lot of the animal rights activists who are moving and trying to push away from some of the uh, current agricultural practices, that's where they want to stop. They want to stop with nobody eats meat. I, I can't go there, honestly. I, I, I just, I, I can't, I, I, it's not even a matter of I can't go that far. I can't even head off in that direction. I just think that we should be good stewards of the animals that we raise, including the animals that we raise for food, and in order to give them the best life possible, um, I think that, that means that they need to have that contact daily with, with nature itself. And again, it's not easy. Uh, in some cases, it might not even be feasible. But I do think that's the ideal that, uh, that we should be working towards. All right, so we've got a couple of emails to get to here before we have to wrap up this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, Where should I get started? Let's see. Uh, Bob writing in. Spring has sprung. Uh, Cam and Missy, I don't know how you do it, but the podcast keeps getting better and better. I really enjoy past tense future events, past tense current events, Bob. And and I'll tell you what, we'll we'll talk about the next episode of that because I finally figured out which one I want to do. Uh, Bob says, I have to admit, I wasn't sure about adding phone interviews, but I truly enjoyed listening to Hope. I was driving and had to stop and sit in a parking lot to listen to the entire interview. Good, Bob. I'm really glad to hear you say that. You know, I love doing interviews. It's one of my, it's 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 kind of what I do for a living. You know, I report on Second Amendment news and information, but Cam and Company has always been a very interview-driven show. So I love talking to people. And the fact that I can now use my phone on the podcast and I can reach out to people and I can get to know them and hopefully you'll get to know them a little bit better. 
I'm really excited about it. And so I'm glad to know that uh, that you really enjoyed the interview with, with Hope Fleck. And I'm looking forward to having Hope back, actually. I was just uh, talking with her on Twitter uh, about her experiences traveling to the former Soviet Union. And I want to I wanna to, to delve into that the next time that we have her back on 40 Acres and a Fool. Bob says, our farm here in West Central Indiana is coming alive. All my apple and pear trees survived winter and are beginning to turn green. The blueberry and raspberry bushes are all popping buds. Still trying to find time to finish building a chicken coop and run. That's my next goal, says Bob. First, laying chickens and then meat birds. Future goals include bees, adding more sugar maples, and then hopefully a pig. It's taken me a while to come to the realization that Rome wasn't built in a day. So each year, I plan to make one major addition to the farm. Bob, I got to say, I think that's a, a really good idea. And it's something that Missy and I have have ended up kind of following as well. Um, you you can definitely bite off more than you can chew. And when we first moved, you know, it was uh, we were just we just decided to jump right in, and we you know got the chickens, and we got the pigs, and we got the goats right away, and and that was a lot <laughs> to learn about right away. So I think every year. As you say, if you can find like one project that you want to, uh, you know, pick up on and you want to add to the farm, I think that's that's great. I'm glad we did that with bees. I'm glad we didn't start with bees the first year. I'm glad that we added those in afterwards. Uh, you know, we added a greenhouse one year. We experimented with raised garden beds one year. And 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 one of the things that we've learned is that you don't have to do everything. You know, our first garden, we had. We had stuff we didn't really eat. Uh, you know, we had all kinds of stuff that we were growing that we were growing to grow. We weren't growing to eat them. Like, we don't eat a ton of squash. We had a ton of squash the first couple of years. We don't really eat a lot of pumpkins. We had a lot of pumpkins that first year. So we've dialed it back. And now we like, all right, so what, what are our favorite things to eat from the garden? Well, we like tomatoes. And we like cucumbers and we like carrots. Okay, so let's grow those. Uh, and we like making, you know, hot pepper sauce. Okay, let's grow those. And it's okay to stop with that. You know, if you want to get some green beans, we've got uh, friends that have pretty big gardens. We have farmer's markets that we can uh, go and visit. But uh, we're not trying to do everything anymore. And, and that's okay. Uh, Bob says, having a house built has taken up far more time than I thought that it would, but it is humming right along, hoping to move in early June. And the best part is it's in my backyard, so we are there to watch it grow every day. That is so cool, Bob. I am so excited for you. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm the tiniest bit envious right now, too. I love our old house. You know, it uh, started out as a two-room cabin back in the 1770s or the early 1780s and has kind of grown from there. They added uh, uh, two rooms on top of that cabin back in the 1850s and they added uh, two more rooms to make the house sort of an L shape in the 1880s. And I don't know, at some point in the last uh, 30, 40 years, they they added a, a kitchen. Uh, to the back of the house and a little office space that, uh, that that Miss E now uses. So we had an issue in the kitchen this week. We had to replace our stove uh, because the stovetop had actually broke. 
This stove was about eight years old. It was a hand-me-down from our old neighbors. So it was great. I mean, we got a lot of use out of it, but we had to replace the stove. So we found a replacement, um, picked it up, brought it home. And in the process of moving the old stove out, Miss E kicked the uh, one of the walls of the, the kitchen. And it's, uh, it's an outside wall. And there's a pretty big window. And then underneath that window... Uh, Missy thought things looked a little squirrely, and so when she went to tap the wall with her foot, the wall basically crumbled. Yeah, not good. So there's significant water damage um, to that outside wall. <sighs> Yay, I know. Um not something that is going to be a minor fix that we can just, you know, put a drywall patch on. I, I'm, I'm really afraid that whoever put that window in, and I don't know how long ago they put that window in, but I think when they put that window in, they did a very poor job of actually putting that window in. And now we've got a leak. And I, I'm not sure how big a fix this is going to entail. But um, but I am envious, Bob, of your brand new construction. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Still love my old house. There's just one room at the moment that I'm not hugely fond of. Uh, Bob says, I hope to see you at the NRA annual meeting in Indianapolis. I will be the guy in jeans, T-shirt, boots, and a camo hat. You can't miss me. That's funny, Bob. I, I think I might be in that same uniform, as a matter of fact. And by the way, Bob was writing from Chicago, where uh, he said he was there to tape his uh, stepson's surprise proposal to his girlfriend. Well, hopefully that surprise proposal worked out well, Bob. We would love to know how everything went. And... Uh, Again, happy spring to you. Appreciate you writing in. Uh, Greg writing in as well says, uh, happy birthday, Cam. Uh, hope you and Missy have a wonderful day together. Hug all of your kids. Uh, and uh, Greg says, Mushu and I would love to have a Kraken hat. It's happening, Greg. The Kraken hat is happening. As for the birthday, um, yeah, my birthday's not until August. But we did have an anniversary, actually. April 16th was, believe it or not, the 15th anniversary of Cam and Company on NRA TV. It wasn't even on NRA TV when we started back in 2004. It was on NRA News. Uh, and April 16th, 2004, was the very first Cam and Company from the 2004 NRA annual meetings in Indianapolis, uh, excuse me, in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This year, it's going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana. But uh, I remember that first show very, very well. I cannot say that I remember all of these shows that we have done over the previous 15 years, but I can tell you that it has been a truly incredible experience uh, to get to cover an issue that I, I care about and to get to cover an issue that I care about during the most exciting decade and a half uh, of this issue. Uh, you know, getting to cover the Heller decision where the Supreme Court said, yep, it's an individual right. And the McDonald decision where the Supreme Court said, yep, Chicago's handgun ban has to fall too. To the right to carry revolution, uh, to the rise of constitutional carry, to the, unfortunately, the current threats that we now face. And we've talked about this on uh, on 40 Acres and a Fool here in the last couple of weeks that, 
you know, while we have made these incredible strides over the past 15 years, we are also at the most precarious moment, I think, in Second Amendment history, certainly in my lifetime, because we have a, a very dedicated and uh, very well-funded uh, opponent of our right to keep and bear arms. And we really have not had a sustained campaign against our right to keep and bear arms the way we're seeing now. So it has been an exciting issue to cover over the past 15 years. But beyond the issue itself and the you know hundreds of fascinating guests that I've had the opportunity to interview and, and talk to, I have met just so many good people over the past 15 years, NRA members from all around the country and all around the globe who have become friends, who I you know look forward to seeing each and every year at the NRA annual meetings. And in some cases, we you know catch up throughout the year. It, it, it's the name of the show on NRA TV is Cam and Company, but, but to me, it is a real community. And it has been an extraordinary experience uh, to have that community just as it is an extraordinary experience to have this community. And I know that there are a lot of folks who are part of both communities here, but I do want you to know uh, if you are a Cam & Company fan and if you have enjoyed the program in the past 15 years, I want you to know how much that means to me because it has really been my privilege and my honor uh, to be able to report the latest Second Amendment news and information each and every day I think I, I tried to add it up, and I, I think, including vacations and stuff like that, I think I'm right around 15,000 hours of broadcasting on Second Amendment news and information. That's a lot. And the, the amazing thing is I'm not, I'm not sick of it. I'm not tired of it. Every day there's more that I want to cover than I have time for. And, uh, and I look forward to continuing to uh, bring you the latest segment of news and information from all across the nation. But I did want to acknowledge that anniversary. So no, no birthday, Greg, but we did have a, a pretty important anniversary. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. Thank you again for joining us this week. I'm going to do my best to get Missy back here in front of a microphone next week as well. But in the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and make stuff. And we'll talk to you soon. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.